Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to Strong Female Characters, a podcast where every week we assemble like a feminist Voltron to celebrate the badass women in geek culture through unfiltered deep dives into the nerdverse. I'm Cher. I'm Preeti. And I'm Courtney. I feel like we're whole again. (laughs) (laughs) Don't don't jinx it. Don't don't put that evil out into the world. I know, seriously. (laughs) So um, I'm like low-key obsessed with Food Network. Oh, Especially yes, the ba- like any baking championships, which like I know we've talked about before because we all are huge, like great British Bake Off fans. And um, last night they had a special, which the only reason I knew about this is because I got like a promoted uh, advertising thing in my Instagram stories that like to have two boxes of Girl Scout cookies delivered to my location. And I was like, what? Girl Scout cookies? <laughs> But they like weren't serving my address, which is bullshit. Anyway, hey girl, had, hey girl, I got the, I got that hookup for you. Oh, uh, do you? Okay, yeah, right. I got a Girl Scout up in my house. I didn't know so- that. Oh my god, I'll totally order cookies. But anyway, <laughs> oh yeah, so they had this special on Food Network last night called the Great the Girl Scout Cooking Baking Championship, Girl Scout Cookie Baking Championship, and the first round were these individuals that had to make cake pops using a different flavor like a different girl scout cookie had to be like the base for their cake pop and then the second round was like the finals and it was making a cake but here's why i'm bringing this up because the theme for the cake pops and the cakes were girls in stem oh that's nice yeah. and so like the and, first round yeah so the first and round hosted by alice and hannigan this is genre this is so genre mm-hmm um, I'm also a little insulted that like no one from Food Network invited any of us to, you know, <laughs> try these cake pops mm-hmm. because they held the first round judging at Liberty Science Center, which is like five minutes from my house. So just saying, how dare um, I want to say that I wanted to eat cake pops. We picked up our initial order of Girl Scout cookies on Saturday. Mm-hmm. I ordered three boxes of Tagalogs, a.k.a. peanut butter patties, depending on which part of the country in which you live, they're gone now. <laughs> they're inside Hold me. On. I, I, they're part of me now. I hate to be this person, but I'm judging your cookie choice. We, you know what? Live your life. Live do. your truth. But I am Tagalogs I just, I don't through. love the Tagalogs. I just feel like there's something in the peanut butter that doesn't taste peanut buttery enough for me. Like, it doesn't taste like a Reese's with a cookie, which is what I want it to taste like. What is your chosen cookie? Well, it's Thin Mints and Samoas. Yeah. I don't like coconut, so I don't like Samoas. Thin Mints get uh, too up in my teeth, but that was my that was my ex-husband's chosen chosen cookie. So there's been a lot of Thin Mints. A thin mint frozen, mint. Like a frozen Thin Mint yeah. might a frozen be a thin perfect mint. snack. It really, I agree. <laughs> and if... And, Here's a little life hack when it is not Girl Scout cookie season. And if you don't have any Thin Mints left, if you get the mint 
Oreo thins mm-hmm. and put those in the freezer. Ooh. They're a very good substitute. All right. Noted. It has to be the, the hard way. Not the full size ones. You Tagalongs are frozen are delicious as well. I tried to hide them from myself in the freezer once, and that's how I learned they just become peanut butter ice cream. It was great. I think we are going to have to agree to disagree. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to... More for me. More for me, <laughs> you y'all. Can, you can tag right along with yourself on that, because I'm not with you. It's hey. Thin Mints and Samoas. Those are, those are the, that's where it's at. And it's crazy how, like, apparently the recipes are different. There's two different yeah. recipes depending on where in the country you live and like what, who's manufacturing them. So I wonder. Huh. Our Girl Scout troop switched last year. We were ABC Bakery and now it's little something, little yeah, something bakery. And it's it's just the changed names. It went from peanut butter patties to tagalongs, et cetera. Oh, so we have tagalongs then. Mm-hmm. Like, because we've always had tagalongs here, like yeah. in my part of the world, AKA mm-hmm. the metropolitan New York City area. But. I'm also very lazy when it comes to buying Girl Scout cookies now. So it's like if your Girl Scout does not have like the link where you can buy them online, I just I can't support that. I will share with <laughs> I you the need link to do the least amount of work possible. I got you. I got you back here. All right, cool. Well, then I guess I'm going to have to now buy Girl Scout cookies from you and also from one of the people in the office whose daughter is selling Girl Scout cookies. And that's fine. Do you know who else has our back? Who? The robot. <laughs> are they selling Girl Scout cookies? They they can from their moist hands. Ew! A few Ew, months that's ago, that's the worst word. Sorry, I might say it again. That and like panties. Ew! Ugh! No, the combination of the two is the worst one. A few months ago, I brought you the tale of the human skin phone case that you can tickle for fun because you're an actual serial killer. Well, from the very spirit that brought you human skin phone, baby comes creepy sweaty robot fingers here to touch you with their weird wet hands no it's it's not just to make us really uncomfortable about the wet robots i don't believe that but as a method of cooling them when using soft rubbery materials for robotics heat can get trapped leading to overheating so scientists from cornell university center for microbiotics and facebook reality labs what are they doing making robots yeah i mean they decided that by allowing the fingers, the robot fingers, I can't stress enough that these are soft robot fingers. This is disgusting. To perspire. They're making and a then Cylon. And they would stay cooler. They're making a Cylon. Yeah. This involves two different kinds of resin that expand at different temperatures. And there are pores on the top of the fingers that dilate and release water. No. The scientists even discovered that the hands wrinkle like our human hands when they get too wet. When faced with the issue of how the robots would replenish the lost liquid, Robert Shepard, a co-author on the study and the mechanical engineer at Cornell, told the Institute of Electrical, Electrical and Electronics Engineers Spectrum magazine, the answer is right in front of me. I'm drinking some coffee right now. I think in order for the robot to operate with the sweating we have created, it would also have to be able to drink. We're going to have sweaty, drunk robots that touch us with our weird fingers. No. I refuse to believe there's any other possibility in the future. Oh. This is literally a Cylon. Like, this is all I'm yeah. thinking about is how, like, the Cylon, when he was trapped on that one planet and he was sweating because of something in, like... The fingers, like, bend based on water pressure. I no, hate it. stop. Stop. I hate this so much. Well, here's some less horrifying news. 
So according to uh, recent research by USC's Annenberg Inclusion Initiative, 31 of the top 100 movies of 2019 had, quote, a lead or co-lead actor from an underrepresented racial or ethnic group, which was up from 27 movies in 2018. So across the entire sample of 1,300 movies, the number of people of color in lead or co-lead roles was 17%. The study, which is titled Inequality Across 1,300 Popular Films Examining Gender and race ethnicity of leads co-leads from 2007 to 2019 tracks the progress that's being made in the top 100 movies of the year in both groups, meaning race and gender. They don't do Netflix because apparently literally everything about them is guarded like some super, super secret sauce, which is kind of fucking weird. For women characters, 43 of the top 100 movies had female leads or co-leads, 16 of whom were from underrepresented racial or ethnic groups. That's also an improvement from 2018 because then it was 39 movies in the top 100, 11 of which were also characters of color. So in the overall sample, 29% of 1,300 movies had female leads or co-leads. Both stats are 13-year highs, which, okay, great. But when the bar was literally so low, it was worm food, there is really nowhere to go but up. Sure, this is promising news, but let's not all break our arms patting ourselves or the entertainment industry on the back, because while there's growth in this area, it's still nowhere near reflective of census data. 51% of the U.S. population is female. And let me just also a little bookmark that. It does not say in this article 51% are female identifying. So I don't know if it's like they were born assigned female or if this includes trans women or what percentage of the population reflects non-binary people because it does not have that offer that breakdown and 39.6 percent of the U.S. population is comprised of people of color and while there may be more people of color and women in these roles it's still mostly like by a lot white people only being recognized for their work during award season. Hollywood's slow march towards inclusivity is a little bit more like a toddler playing dead in defiance while being dragged to the car by their parent because it's time to go the fuck home and they refuse to leave their play date. No one has time for your bullshit, little Jimmy. Get in the damn car because mommy has a lot of work to do. Right? Because toddlers do that. They play dead and it's annoying, right, Cart? Too real. Too real. They make them sit have dogs. a thousand pounds. Yes. It's a superhero and I hate it. full armadillo like Ruth. Does anyone get that reference? No. <laughs> oh, my Who's God. Ruth? It's from New Girl. Oh, Ruth. Oh. Schmidt is Cece's daughter. She goes Yay. full armadillo. Yeah. All right. We're there. Uh, right. So semi-related. I'm so disappointed in you. This past weekend, Joaquin Phoenix took home the BAFTA for Best Actor for um, Joker or some other sad rage man role. Whatever. Now, <laughs> the BAFTA... <laughs> now, the BAFTAs had already come under some major fire when they released the nominees. And in this, the day of our Lord Parasite, there were almost no nominations for people of color. So Joaquin wins, gets up, proceeds to talk some well-needed shit. He began by thanking them, but then, then. I think that we send a very clear message to people of color that you're not welcome here, he said. And then went on to mention that he himself was not perfect, having not done as much as he could to make sure that marginalized people had access to the sets that he was on. 
but it's the end of the speech that really sang. I think that we have to do the really hard work to truly understand systemic racism. I think that it is the obligation of the people that have created and perpetuate and benefit from a system of oppression to be the ones to dismantle it. So that's on us. Because that's the truth. People in power need to be better about declining rules, being difficult until sets are inclusive, pushing for better pay for their marginalized counterparts. I look forward to seeing what tangible things Joaquin commits to. But in the meantime, thanks for speaking up, bud. Yes, I fucking loved this speech so much. I mean, I'm still not going to see Joker. (laughs) (laughs) I have zero interest in your movie that you're like winning awards for. But like, I really appreciate that he is... He's been using every opportunity that he like when he does win, when he gets up on the podium to speak up. And he is the exact person that needs to be speaking up. He is a white straight male in Hollywood. And he's also legacy. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to remember, like he got put on the map because of his brother. So he really embodies the person that privileges most from this system. And I genuinely hope that some other men in Hollywood you know, follow his lead, whether they are lead actors, whether they're extras, whether they're writers, directors, producers, financers. I just hope that it it starts to happen. I'm also not going to fucking hold my breath, but I mean, I that's the thing. This. Like, I appreciate him speaking up. And of course, I know a lot of people kind of were like, oh, great. Another speech about blah, blah. I was like, no, but it actually matters coming yeah. from someone who sits in his identity to say we need to dismantle this because you have all the power in the situation and so like i found it to be like really like a wonderful moment that was exciting but again like i do want to see it paired with action so i want to see what he's actually going to do now that he has said this yeah like think about how many like specifically like white male like celebrity actors who are beloved they are cast immediately they are who the the project needs and wants and if they just basically said like i'm not doing this without some semblance of inclusivity yeah like they have the power to do that it's like when that um that thing was going around talking about uh various actors who've never worked with a female director yeah only our blessed keanu has done so I mean, well, uh, he's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's 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 more than man. He really but, is. Saint yeah, like they, when you have the privilege, like use it for you know, use it to talk. That's very important, but also use right. it for to actually make change. And I also think it's really important for someone like Joaquin to to take onus and say, like, I have not been good at this because yeah. I think that. Personally, I think that is the thing that trips a lot of people up. It's like one of my favorite quotes ever that I love to reference, which is ironic because it's from a Tarantino movie, is from Pulp Fiction when he says, that's your pride fucking with you. And I think that that can be applied to so many, so many instances in life. And I think when it comes to being an ally to someone who does not share your privilege, whether it's racially, gender, socioeconomically, whatever the case may be. I think that's the thing that people struggle with. It's like they have the difficulty in self-identifying as like, I am part of this problem because I think inherently most people want to believe themselves as good and to be possibly confronted with the fact that they did something to cause harm to someone that causes them to be racist, whether or not it's intentional or casual racism 
or whether they're being sexist or misogynistic or classist, like it's really a hard pill to swallow. But the reality is we're all human beings. And at some point, we probably did one or all of those things. Some people far more with the intent and some people like the everyday, normal, average, probably decent person without that intention. And I think that speaks to a bigger issue of like socioeconomic, like just society wise, we have not done a very good job because we do live in a white patriarchal society that like these are things that have been ingrained for decades and generations and speaking out is the only way that a seed of change starts to be planted and I know I'm being very like soapboxy but it's I think that's really where it starts it starts with like owning your shit and saying like I have not been a good person when it comes to this and I recognize that and recognizing that in a room of your peers when you are being awarded something for quite frankly a movie that probably didn't really deserve it um but he kind of said that too he does say in the speech like no one's asking for a handout but we kind of do that to ourselves all the time yeah you know so Mm -hmm. and i and i thought that was such an important thing and like it starts with that it starts with you deciding at that moment to be really take a moment look in the mirror and be like you know what like i'm not being a good ally i'm not supporting or lifting up women or people of color or non-binary people or the LGBTQ community like if you're not thinking about them or considering them then you are part of the problem and you have to be honest with that and I think that's like the very first step it's a small step but it's really the most important one because nothing is going to change until people can recognize that well what was nice about this is the specificity of the message which was it was people of color like this was about mm-hmm. people of color and he made that very clear and like looking at the audience and how uncomfortable it was and how awkward everybody looked. It was an incredible moment. It really was. Plus, and I think is- coming at the timing, you just had two very high profile, most favorite royals step back from their roles because of the racism that is being hurled at Meghan Markle mm-hmm. in the British press. Yeah. And so it's like, that's, it's just the timing of it. And I think it was the perfect place to say what he said. And like, you know, like Preeti said, like his focus was on specifically people of color because there was kind of a little bit of a wave of just like, and women too. And it's like, hey, did you know you could be both? <laughs> and if you're yeah. not both, maybe, maybe you sit that one out. <laughs> right. maybe you just shut the fuck up yeah now i do kind of bristle a little bit at the like not bristle like because it's such an important speech and it is a really popular movie but it's kind of you know it's it's strange that this is a a conversation coming out of uh you know will no one think of the white man the movie yeah and hopefully that means he listened to the the criticism the feedback and all that i don't know that he did I mean, listen, like anything is possible, right? Like he was not his behavior during the press cycle for that movie was like not great at times. And I think there were times where some people are like, oh, he's like kind of being just a dick. But then I think there was one time and I can't, I know I'm very loosely remembering and someone was like, I think that he was just not well prepared. And he's a very awkward individual, which we saw at the Golden Globes when he made his mm-hmm. speech. It was a very awkward speech. He seemed a little bit more prepared this time to get his statement across. He actually, you know, had a speech written out and he referred to it. And I think it's very possible that 
during the press cycle, like I didn't think until I saw his different behavior at the Golden Globes and then at BAFTAs that if he's not expecting something, I don't think he does well without being prepared or having thought about something. He's not a very good off the cuff person. So I want to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt, you know, Mm -hmm. because he is someone that like his entire life, he's been very like environmentally conscious and like his whole family, like they're hippies. I mean, they grew up in a cult, but we'll talk about that in another episode. But I want to believe that he is someone that's like sees the opportunity to evolve and is trying to take it. Like, I don't want to be cynical all the time about everyone. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I kind of want to give him the benefit of the doubt that like, he's like, hey, like I'm owning my shit here and I want to be better, but I also want us all to be better. Because if we lose our ability to believe that people can and want to be better, then like we're fucked. We're just all fucked. Yeah. Hi. Yeah. (laughs) I had too much sugar before we recorded today, guys. That was the most faith in humanity that has ever come out of this podcast. We need like a bell to ring when that happens. It's like the fairy positivity bell. I usually save that for dogs. Yeah. You have so much faith in dog-manity, but this was for humanity. And honestly, I think that I'm really proud of you. Thank you. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back. We're going to talk about a little series of movies, maybe you've heard of them, called Scream. We'll be right back. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. 20 years ago. As of this exact moment that we are recording. Did you say, did you say here's? Sorry. Here's. Here's. 20 here's. Scream 3 came out. Like, not Scream. Because that feels like, okay, yeah, 20 years ago Scream came out. No, Scream 3. Hmm. Scream thrice. It has been 20 years that Scream has had a trilogy. And because of the meta nature of these movies, it really committed to that trilogy life. But the whole series is really important to me specifically, but also to horror in general. Horror changed in ways that like we're still deeply grateful for. It made mainstream horror went meta and funny. And let's talk about Scream, y'all. Let's. I mean, full disclosure, I've only seen the first two Scream movies and I don't remember the second one. And I didn't realize there were four. Timothy Oliphant. I didn't, I didn't, I know, I know. But listen, he's made really questionable things when he was younger and he looked like a total douchebag. Once he like grew into his looks and was less douchebag, like California dude and like sexy, he started making better decisions. He was also really good at the douchebag thing though. He's very good at being a douchebag. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Because he was still, we could just talk about Timothy Elephant. Um, Because he was still, when he was younger, he was a little bit bulkier still because he used to be like, you know, like an athlete in college. So he still had that like bro-y college athlete douchebag look. He had that hair. Where his hair was like this. Yeah, yeah. It it was was like spiked. Yeah. Yeah, It was was not a great look. Yeah. 
Because he went from the douchebag, broy college look to then like the druggy look. I was going to say, like, I actually only knew Tim and the Elephant from Go, which was one of my weirdly mm-hmm. favorite movies when I was like 14. <laughs> I loved that movie. <laughs> I mean, the fact that that was pivotal. one of your favorite movies when you were 14, like really, I think we need to have a conversation about that. Because that worries me. <laughs> What was going on with 14-year-old Preeti? Were you still living in Florida at the time? Is that yep. why? There you go. South Florida. There you go. Florida man, Preeti Chipper. <laughs> but yeah, what so we've all seen the first one though, correct? Yeah. Preeti, even you? Yes, even me. Even I have even, seen the first one. Even Preeti. <laughs> What has been your relationship to the Scream movies? I mean, obviously, like, even just the the ones that you've seen. I actually think Scream is probably one of the first, like, horror movies I ever saw. Um, I remember very clearly, I was in seventh grade, and we had a sleepover at, like, my one of my friends had, like, a family, like, RV thing, and we were allowed to spend the night in it by ourselves, and we watched Scream. And I was like, this is the most scared I have ever been (laughs) in my life. But it absolutely shaped, like, our friendship for the year. It's a very, like, weird movie that I think spoke to a lot of, like, young teenage girls. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you know, like, Drew Barrymore and Ev Campbell. Like, it had this whole, like, thing. And it was so meta. And you, like, felt so smart watching it, even though you're, like, I'm 12. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And I think the thing, too, like, I mean, I was older than 12 when this came out. <laughs> but I think the very beginning of that movie was so fucking jarring because it's like, yeah, I've been that babysitter that was home alone in the big house. And like, you know, and it, that's what it kind of felt like. It felt like being like you were babysitting and like no one was home and it was really late. You know, like mm-hmm. that was just the feeling like even now when I watch it, it makes me it reminds me of being like a babysitter when I was in high school or like right after high school. Um, but to me, like the Scream movies for I always hold them. They're very synony- synonymous with MTV for me. Yeah. Because I remember like these mm-hmm. were super promoted on MTV um, and it just felt like. This was a horror movie very much made for the MTV generation in a way that I don't think previous horror movies were. And th- yeah, I'm Skeet Ulrich was super hot. Skeet Ulrich was super <laughs> hot. From- he was very hot. He like He's so dirty and hot in these movies. He was so greasy in this movie. Such a grease ball. And it's like this like, is you know he just lays on the pillow and leaves like a mark. Absolutely. And it's like he's like the that's like the pinnacle like nineties. Like everyone was calling him mini Johnny Depp at the time because yeah. he really looked like Johnny yeah. Depp's little brother. But not anymore. Shit. <laughs> but to me, I think that he looks um, like a daddy. You know, the 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 movie really did kind of kickstart, you know, the the meta ness mm-hmm. of horror. Um, and I think that comes from Kevin Williamson. Oh, hundred percent. Who wrote one, two, and four? That's why Scream Three is not that great. Um, but <laughs> he was so good at writing teenagers. With that kind of like fast dialogue, he made them smart. Yeah. It made us feel smart watching. Like, yeah, this is what I talk like. It wasn't exactly no, not what I at talk all. Like, but yeah. In my mind, it was. In my mind, <laughs> it was, was so kind of cool. right. And if you think about it, he's kind of like the. These felt like the John Hughes of horror movies. 
mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. it's like, it just yeah. felt like this is what teenagers look and act like, like completely, you know, at least the thing I love at that time. Oh, yeah. The thing I love so much about these movies is that there is a a trust in the characters where the characters aren't they they're not tropey for for a franchise that obviously like you know meta calls out these tropes but these feel like very like fleshed out intelligent teenagers who aren't necessarily like just you know body fodder like they are actually like whole entire people Mm -hmm. they're not relegated to like the slut, the party girl, the virgin, like all of those mm. kind of tropes are are kind of mirrored a little bit. Yeah. But they are still like actually intelligent, smart characters that are written to be people. Yeah. And I love it. I mean, I know about the third one because like I said, like I did, never saw it. <laughs> mm. The third one. OK, so. my But tell us my, about it. Do you reenact well, one of my, one of my <laughs> So the third one is all about Hollywood. And it's a lot. Like, we get it. But Parker Posey's in it, which does make it like. I heard she's honestly, the only good part of the movie. She's the only good part of it, but she's so good in it. Um, but the. So in the end of Scream 3, the killer is Scott Foley. Uh, <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Noel from Felicity. <laughs> Scott Sorry. Foley, Scandal, nice slash Jennifer yeah. no, Garner's the, ex, Scott the nice Foley? nice guy from Felicity. Yes. He is, and he's like, cl- he's your classic nice guy this whole movie. Until, and now like a I big I didn't even common- buy him as like a, like a badass, like murdery spy dude in Scandal. Like, TBH, I can't imagine younger He kind of pulls man. it off. He really? pulls the turn off pretty well. Okay. But um, a big common thread in these movies is the slut shaming of Maureen Prescott, Sydney Prescott's mom, who we just see here for four movies was a big whore. <laughs> and this movie hinges its entire like ending on the premise that Scott Foley's character is Maureen Prescott's other son. Like she's like oh he's Sydney's half brother. And he tried to go meet Maureen and she like rebuffed him and so he started all of this he told Billy Loomis that Maureen had an affair with his dad and made Billy try to you know start so basically he was the secret mastermind behind all of the Scream movies hold on a second yeah outstanding how was she pregnant and no one knew that she carried a kid full term and and then this kid just didn't exist anymore does that is it ever addressed if I recall she like she like had to like leave for a little while to run off to LA or something like that to try to be a star. And then instead what? she had a baby and just like was like, bye, baby. I mean, I wish, they, I wish they just like said that she like, like went like to a nunnery instead. Like, this is so unrealistic. It's it's not great because it's not she great. was already like married and had a daughter. Right. When this. I think he's supposed to be older. He's supposed to be older than Sydney. I don't know. This is bad. It's no, it's not. It's not a good movie. <laughs> and yes, I just remember like there's one line that I still remember. It's like literally I cannot overstate how much slut saving there is of poor dead Marine Prescott because there's a line where Scott Foley says they fucked her six ways from Sunday. And it was the first time I'd ever heard that specific term. And I was like, wow, that that's seems- an interesting like talk about shoehorning in an expression. Yeah, but basically, like, the whole premise is just, like, Maureen Prescott just got passed around L.A. and then passed, like, it's like, Jesus. she's dead. 
let the let the woman be like let her have had her fun her delightful times good lord this yeah, is pretty no. terrible all right then the, well, then the fourth one then the fourth one's really good though so it's all it all okay. works out well, we'll talk idea. about the fourth one when it's the time for that anniversary yeah. <laughs> oh, wait, wait, wait. i have an idea what right. if we just take the scream three out of it all replace it mm-hmm. with that horror episode of dawson's creek that is actually truly excellent yes that kevin williamson did write I've <laughs> never watched Dawson's Creek. You would hate it. You would hate. You it. would absolutely so hate every much. moment of it. <laughs> I you believe would that. just hate it with your whole entire. Yeah, heart. I believe that. Um, if you want to get kind of a hint of maybe why Scream Three wasn't so good, the writer of the film, Aaron Kruger, was also behind such films as as the ones I'm about to say, Dracula Two Thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. Oh. Transformers oh Dark of the Moon. That's so Transformers weird. Age of Extinction. And The Ghost in the Shell starring Scarlett Johansson. Well, there you go. <laughs> and the upcoming Top Gun Maverick. Oh, God. Hold on. I would actually watch Top Gun Maverick. He is thriving. I it's don't think it's going to be a good movie, but let's be honest Top Gun wasn't a good movie. And I've watched the shit out of that movie. He also wrote Reindeer Games, starring okay. Ben Affleck as yeah. a character named Rudy. You know, Rudolph Reindeer. Oh, Stop. No. no. Is that why? Yeah. No. Are you making that up? I'm not making it up. They figured it out on how did this get made. It's a real... This This is the guy that, that, that was trusted with my sweet Sydney Prescott and Gail Weathers. I just... Yeah, I know, right? It must be nice to be a white guy failing upwards in Hollywood. Isn't it great? Yeah. But you know what? There's so much more to scream. There's so much more to scream than this Namely, shitty third one that we are now removing from uh from from the from the dossier. So instead of being a, a scream three celebration, this is really a scream a Scream three emancipation. <laughs> the liberation. Right? A liberation. We are yes. letting it go. Like Elsa before us, we're letting it go. Yeah. Mm. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. In celebration of the scream abrasion, we're going to play a little game. A little game we like to call Frack, Mary, Kill. Pew, pew, pew. What, what is with the pew, pew, pews? I am, uh, I don't know. Okay, go on. Yeah, it's like my I I, so I get overcome with like this morning zoo thing where it's just like bow, bow, bow. I turn into the douche from Parks and Rec. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the douche, the douche. 
Uh, so she's so she's Jay from The Good Place. You're the douche from Parks and Rec. We're just going through all of Mike Scher's world. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like resume. It's a Brooklyn Nine-Nine over here. Category one, mm. Killer Bays. Mm. And Cher, I... Mm-hmm. I don't know how you're gonna do this. I mean, I, I know, do. Who, I, know who, I, I know who's getting killed, but uh, oh, yeah. okay, killer base. We have Billy Loomis mm-hmm. as played by Skeet Ulrich, mm-hmm. Mickey as played by Timothy Oliphant, mm-hmm. and Jill as played by Emma Roberts, who is Sydney's cousin, who then tries to like become like the famous final girl and and kills everyone. She's really good at it. That's in Scream Four. Okay, Frack, Mary, kill. All right, so. I am going to, well, obviously I'm killing Emma Roberts because bye, I have no use for you. (laughs) Um, See, this is hard because like at this time in life, you know, this was like douchebag college bro, Timmy the Elephant. I mean, they're both murderers. Oh my God. I mean, they're all murderers. Yeah. God, Your shelf shelf life as as their spouse is not great. I know, and they both are so hot now. But I mean, I think Tio like wins now. But we're talking about then. Yeah. Oh, then when he had this hair, the spiky hair. Yeah, this is like the bad like football player haircut. Mm-hmm. Um. Oh my god. Oh my god. Somebody else go first. <laughs> Breathe. <laughs> You're very very big, uninformed thoughts. (laughs) All right, here we go. Based on nothing whatsoever. (laughs) Kill Jill. I've not seen Scream 4. Whatever. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say Frack Mickey. Because I've also not seen Scream 2. <laughs> and that seems like it'd be over fast. Uh, and then... <laughs> and then Mary Billy, because I'm most familiar with him. Okay. I If we're talking... No, oh, you go. I, I, I want got this. It. I need I'm this. I'm going to kill Jill again. Who needs you? I don't care if I... It was my favorite movie. I'd still kill her. Um... And I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to frack Mickey because he's giving me two pump chump vibes and these, like, when I think about him, like mm-hmm. the character, not Timothy Elephant. He's amazing and totally marry worthy. And then, can go all night, but Mickey. Absolutely. I mean, come on. He was a swimmer. He's got stamina. Um, and then marry, you know, Billy Loomis because, like, he's really hot <laughs> I think Billy Loomis like this error Skeet is hotter than this error Timothy Oliphant because now agree. this yeah, yeah. And so that's that's where I'm totally going with hormones here and I'm also thinking like okay like in 1996 I totally would have been all about Ski Ulrich and like n- what would not give like Timothy Oliphant How the time of day I- how come it's not a? How come it's not a Bill? How come it's not a Skeet Ulrich and Matt Lillard situation? Because no one, no everyone's gonna kill Matt Lillard. I know, no but way. that's. I feel like that makes it. It has to be both or none. ITB, ITBH would have married Matt Lillard. <laughs> oh, crazy. I love Stu in that movie. I love him so much. <laughs> yeah, I he 
easy. the shitty boyfriend and she's all that. Or no, I the reality. Know. Is it she's it's yeah, she's all that with the, the reality guy? Yeah, in the movie, like if it's like the like the dumb funny friend, that's who I'm going with. Ah, oh, but he was like douchey <laughs> and I feel like dumb. You have it. It's gotta be both or neither. <laughs> Whatever happened to Matthew Illard? What like he's on something now. He's on a show. Yeah, he's fine. He's doing fine. He's thriving. He's fine. Um, oh, he looks I, like he looks like the general manager of like a Walgreens chain in this picture. He was in a very good Law and Order SVU where he, oh my played, God. he played someone having like an affair with Carol Burnett. Dude, he was shaggy. Like you can't ever he was straight wanna, up shaggy. I mean, SLC punk. <laughs> he was shaggy. Yeah. Would you add shaggy? Would you frack marry or kill? Let's wait. Let's hold on. We're we're off topic. <laughs> no, no, no. We're, I need we're, an answer. we're saving that. Let's save that one for like James Gunn's birthday. No, I need an answer. Would you frack, marry, or kill Shaggy? Matthew Lillard as, Sha- as Lillard as Shaggy. Would- <laughs> <laughs> the fact that you have to think about this. <laughs> I don't want to do this. <laughs> no, it's just Courtney. Just Courtney. Okay, here's the thing. That movie's not bad. It's very oh, James Gunn. Courtney. <laughs> he comes with the very big dog. Mary. Oh, Mary keeps the dog. <laughs> Courtney. But on top, on topic here, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna frack <laughs> Billy Loomis because you know what? He's. I actually bet it'd be really good because he had like angsty dad issues in this movie. <laughs> oh, he's got a lot of issues in this movie. Yeah, uh, Mickey was like a film student, a douchey film student, and that's like my entire like collegiate sexual history. Yeah. Then they've done that. Jill, she had plans. She could organize <laughs> a real good killing. She had organizations. She had moxie, and I feel like we could just really just. You know, have a have a fun time. I'm gonna marry Jill. All right then, I'm impressed. Not with the Matthew Lillard stuff. <laughs> I mean, you know what? We all have our. We're gonna have tweet, to talk about that again. Own. That's never going away. I just want you to know that. <laughs> all right, final girls. Final girls. We've got Sydney Prescott as played by Nev Campbell, Gail Weathers as played by Courtney Cox. That does include her bad bangs. In Scream oh. 2. You got to hold on to those. Or Scream mm. 3. Uh, and then Jennifer Jolie, as played by Parker Posey, who is technically not a final girl because she dies in the movie, but she's playing an actress who is playing Gail Weathers. Plus, she's Parker Posey, so I had to put her in the category. All right. I oh. I feel like this is going to be really fast. Uh, go? Frack Parker Posey. Only because... Of her line and dazed and confused when she goes, wipe your face off the off your head, bitch. Yes, I love her. Which is one of my favorite lines in anything ever. Wipe that face face off off your head, bitch. So good. I love it. And I feel like she'd be like a good mean based again on nothing because I haven't seen the movie. Uh, Have you read her book? No. Oh my God. Read her book because it's so fucking funny. Um, I would kill... Gail Weathers, because those bangs are the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire so life. They're rough stuff. Uh, and I would marry Sydney because she's a survivor. I would, I would kill Gail Weathers because I just don't like the whole like tearing down a woman to make your career thing that she basically does. Um, also, those bangs are terrible. And also, the whole time I would feel like it's Monica going, I know. 
whenever she would like, you know, <laughs> I just feel like she'd be a lot and I just want to deal with that. I think I would frack Sydney and I would marry Parker Posey because okay. Parker Posey is fucking hilarious. <laughs> and like, I don't know. She's like a weird, cool, like, you know, I love Parker Posey. She's also She's like an actress in the movie. She's got a good house. Yeah. Good house, house. Making money. I'll be a kept woman. I'm fine with that. I'm going to kill Gail because, the, I mean, the bangs are bad, but she has bad hair in every movie. She's not mm-hmm. supposed to be blonde. She's mm-hmm. not supposed to be blonde. That first movie hair was not good either. We just don't remember how bad it was because of the I bangs. just want to add an addendum. addendum. The, anyone who dances the way she did in that Bruce Springsteen video is not someone I want to be in bed with. So Maybe he's, he was a good guy, but she had, she had sex with David Arquette for a real long time. Oh, she had a kid with David Arquette. I mean, like, yeah, they were like, you know, it was a whole thing. And, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he has some some qualities, but I don't, I don't see him. So I'm going to go ahead and just put her away. I'm going to marry Sydney because you can't kill Sydney. So you might as well just marry her. She will always, always remain. Uh, and I would frack the shit out of Parker Posey. Well, all right, then. Because he got to. Um, go ahead. What's the next one? Soft Boys. Just real soft boys. This movie's got a whole lot of soft boys. We got Deputy Dewey, a.k.a. David Arquette, who is just the softest, most annoying boy. I don't know how Gail was into him, but that's her journey. Randy, as played by Jamie Kennedy, your classic nice guy who was just waiting in the wings for Sydney to love him. And Derek, Jerry O'Connell from Scream 2, who sings Sydney, I think I love you while standing on a table in the library, a la Heath Ledger and 10 Things how I dare. Hate About You. No, Yikes. how dare. No. Yeah. Yikes. I never want to be serenaded, you guys. That's my nightmare. uh, That's terrible. That is the only thing that's worse than that is a public engagement on like Megatron or something. Yeah. It's terrible. Um, Listen, I'm going to go full into the theme of Scream and I'm going to kill them all. (laughs) It's just really... (laughs) That's the only... (laughs) I am now the serial killer. Scream 5... I kill them all, all this off. The boys. real ghost face was the friends we made along the way. <laughs> I don't, I don't trust these soft boy nice guys. And very honestly, I don't see any other way out of this. Yeah, you just kill them all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> they're all just so uh, cringeworthy. They're all so bad. So bad. Uh, okay, so I wronged Jerry O'Connell once. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> Hold on, what? Story. What? <laughs> so <laughs> my friends and I went and saw um, one of the X- X-Men movies in uh, the Regal Union Square Theater. And then we got into the train and Jerry O'Connell was on the train on the L uh, going into Brooklyn. And I like kind of mentioned to my he's he's literally like maybe a foot and a half away. It's like a crowded L train. And I'm like, oh, man, that's Jerry O'Connell. And another friend of ours turns around and she goes, Terry O'Donnell? (laughs) (laughs) Who's Terry O'Donnell? Like, really loud. And I've never gotten a dirtier look from anyone in New York City in my life than Jerry O'Connell. So angry and just turned around because there was no room to move away. Calm down, Jerry (laughs) O'Connell. He was so mad. 
Can can I just say I've never seen anyone with more security at a Comic Con than Jerry O'Connell, and it's like you're Jerry O'Connell. Yeah, seriously, How much security dude. Like, do you need sliders? Like what? What exactly? I don't understand what. Why? I don't understand what's happening there. I saw this whole giant entourage coming. Both like both the last two times, this giant entourage, and I'm like, oh, who's it gonna be? Jerry O'Connell. <laughs> I it feel was like Jerry O'Donnell. <laughs> Our good friend Terry O'Donnell. I, he's forever Terry O'Donnell now. Like I don't care. But I feel like um, I feel like if you are someone who you your appearance in something is the joke, like you are a punchline. I don't think you get to have that type of like that wholeness with the entourage or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I'd murder them all too. I mean, he was in Kangaroo Jack. Like, calm down, buddy. Calm down. I think down. you already kind of murdered him with that solitary Donald Byrne. <laughs> Ter- he is going forward, Terry O'Donnell. <laughs> Uh, and I finally, our, update. I want someone to update his Wikipedia page and change it to Terry O'Donnell. Terry O'Donnell, who died on a train a couple years ago. Oh man! <laughs> All right. Final right, category: the random cameos of Scream. Kristen Bell <laughs> sure. from Scream Four, Sarah okay. Michelle Gellar from Scream Two. And Jay and motherfucking Silent Bob from Scream 3, they count as a package. <laughs> hey package. <laughs> I'm just going to smoke with Jay and Silent Bob and be too stoned to remember that Kristen Bell and Sarah Michelle Gellar are around, <laughs> so nothing's going to happen to either one of them. That's my plan. <laughs> I want to opposite softboys and marry them all. <laughs> yes, agreed. Opposite softboys. I soft love my boy. very good marriage. We're marry Kristen Bell and Sarah Michelle Geller and Shane Motherfucker. We go from all. murdering everyone to the exact opposite. Snooch <laughs> to the nooch. We accomplished so much today. <laughs> I'm so proud. We of learned us. a lot. <laughs> so thanks for listening and as always leave us some love on iTunes it helps support and promote the show you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at sci-fi fangirls pod I am the Sheridus on Twitter and Instagram and I'm at run with skizzers I'm at court and on Twitter and Courtney and on Instagram and until next time speak geek like a girl 